Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So let's go ahead and get our syllabus. If you don't have your syllabus with you, raise your hand and our ushers will bring you one. This is what we've been going through this semester. At Riverside Church, we go by semesters. And then we go for the off-season. Our ushers, if you will, can you take a look at that? Pass out some of these syllabus. Lee, can you mind you mind helping out back there? They're coming, guys. Keep your hands raised. They'll, they'll get you. And there is, there is the chapter that we're in right now called The Superiority of the New Covenant. Now, we have slowed down to teach and to pour in and to give you something of substance. Um, You can go a lot of places and they can build the hype, but, you know, really and truly, you want something that's tangible, something you can apply, something that can be added to your life and that you can just keep and grow with it. And so that's what we're after. We're after that experience. And so if you will, why don't you read it with me from where you're at? I'm going to read you the first part of the summary, then we get into it, Hebrews chapter 8, the superiority of the new covenant. Hebrews shows that Jesus is a mediator of a new and better covenant, everyone say better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. Jesus is ministering in heavenly in the heavenly tabernacle at the right hand of God, not in an earthly one, which was a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. The new covenant is written on our hearts and enables us to know the Lord in an intimate way. Jesus has promised to forgive our sins and remember them no more. The new covenant has made the old one obsolete. The new covenant has made the old one obsolete. Now, if you will, grab your Bibles. Let's stand to our feet in honor of God's Word. It's a practice that we do here to build a culture of honor toward the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 10 is where we'll be reading. And we're reading out of the New King James. And we sometimes teach along that with the sermon out of the NLT, just to kind of give you an understanding and a heads up of how we do it why we do it, we'll explain later. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 says, But now he has obtained, being he being Jesus, now, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand, led them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. Now, when you read covenant, most people don't know exactly what that means but a covenant represents an agreement it's an agreement with God some would refer to it almost like a contract but with God it's a relationship 
in agreement in the promises of God. And it says, because they did not continue in my covenant, I discarded them, saith the Lord. The, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. And I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Powerful. I want to slow it down, and I want to talk to you about a better covenant today. And this eighth chapter is so deep. How many of you agree that the whole book of Hebrews, it's like super deep, right? I mean, so many things have been said in here concerning the relevance of, of why the Hebrews did what they did and how that in turn is in our day and lived out and walked out. So will you just ask God to bless the service one more time? Will you lift your voice and ask him just to touch and let me explain it with simplicity and that you would receive it today as well. Father, we thank you for always, always being here and always helping us feed the hungry hearts today, God. Just feed the hungry hearts today and let this be given with love, wisdom, understanding, and let it be applied and understood in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Give God one more hand clap because he's God. He's so worthy of it. He is so worthy of it. And you can be seated. Very excited about this word. Um, this whole series, this whole uh, semester, we've been talking about this old covenant and the new covenant. We understand that what we've been learning throughout the semester is that well, the writer of Hebrews, he's writing to the Jewish nation, people who have been saved under a new covenant. But the problem and the challenges that they had were that they still had the old ways and they still were used to how things used to be done, if that makes sense. Anything new has to be learned. Anything new in our life has to be understood. Well, for us, we're coming into this experience with God, joined together, as that the Scripture said, now the two have become one in Christ, both Jew and Gentile. So we have to take time to understand the concept, the precepts, the ideas that God had established under an old covenant to really thoroughly understand the new covenant. As Gentiles, you and I really, you know, didn't have the tabernacle or didn't have the heritage. If you are Jewish or maybe you have some Jewish blood ancestors, uh, whoever up the line in your family tree, that maybe you saw some ideas and practices possibly, but nothing, nothing came close to, I promise you, to what they had in the Old Testament. Because there was a tabernacle that God gave plans to Moses that had to be followed to the T. In fact, this eighth chapter talks about how God gave it to Moses and it had to be followed to perfection. The law was all about perfection. Now that we're living under grace, God chooses imperfect people to establish his covenant with. Kind of a contradiction. But there's a reason for that. But when you look at this, I want to show you just very quickly the model. I want to show you the tabernacle. When we look at the tabernacle, 
what we've been learning in the book of Hebrews has been relevant to our new covenant experience. But let's look at the old model. The scripture calls it an old system. In the very bottom of this screen, whether you can hope you can see this, there was the gate. That, again, in review of everything we've been learning, that is where each family, a family from the tribes, the tribes would come in and they would each have their sacrificial offering, the animal. It was required by law that that person that represented their family, that they would kill the animal with a knife, which would be a sense of transference, which meant that, in essence, that was kind of a testimony of the death of the animal, saying that this life was given for the sins that we committed. That was the transference. I'm responsible for the death of this animal, and then the priest would take the animal, and then they would bring it to the altar of sacrifice. This area in the tabernacle was very gruesome. Uh, it was very intense, blood everywhere. It wasn't a pretty sight, but nonetheless, this is what God required. God required this because without the shedding of blood, the scripture says, there is no remission of sins. This all ties back to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, God had to create a new system. But when Moses came on the scene, God organized it and had them build a tabernacle. And then after they would give the sacrifice, after they would give the offering, the scripture says that that offering became a smell, good-smelling savor in the nostrils of God, and he was pleased with that. But then they had to carry out with their practices, priesthood responsibilities. But before they would enter into the holy place, which is the rectangle on top, right there in that circle between the altar and the holy place, there was a laver or a basin of water. And there it was required for the priest to wash their hands and their feet in order to cleanse themselves from what just happened and what just occurred. They had to be washed. It was a command of God. It's what God commanded. But if you recognize it again, when we read this in the scripture text, this was an example and a direct reflection of what it was like in heaven. This was the materialistic manifestation of what God really required up in the heavenlies because the scripture says that Jesus later had become the high priest and he would enter in and build something not made by man. Again, very deep in the scripture, very in-depth. But when we look at this, when the priest would come in, he had three responsibilities. He had to first live off of the shoe bread and the table on the right in that first section of the rectangle called the holy place. He had to first, and then he had to second, uh, he had to light the candles of the menorah. Uh, the candles were lit and to be a light in that area. And the third thing was he had to keep the altar of incense constantly going, constantly going. And the irony of this, although they cleaned themselves with the laver and washed themselves, they would still had to dip blood on each corner of the altar of incense. Everything was sprinkled with blood. 
to signify the deity of God, the holiness of God, how God was pure and holy. God wanted to keep humanity safe, so he required life for a life. At this moment, everything was done right. Then the high priest would come in, and the high priest would come into the holy place where the actual ark of the covenant was. Most of you have seen this before, the golden box. How many of you have ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? The golden box with the cherubims on top, mercy seat. What was inside that ark, we'll, we'll mention in a moment. But this was the old system. This is what God gave to Moses, what was, what was necessary for them to keep functioning in order for the people of Israel to keep the favor, the blessings, the protection of God, the prosperity of God, that none of their enemies could ever come against them because God gave the Ark of the Covenant, but everything around that that they had to perform and do realist, uh, to, to, the, to the traditions and the practices of the priest was necessary in order for God's presence to be there and for God to bless. Only by the high priest after making intercession for the people, was forgiveness granted, was blessings induced. Such a powerful thing. And now that we learned in Hebrews that Jesus has become our eternal high priest. Now, for us to embrace that is a new concept. Because, you know, whether we know it or not, folks, Christianity is more than the cross. There is more to this experience. It was because of the cross that we have mercy and grace in our life, and aren't you thankful for that? It was because of the lamb that was on the cross that you and I have the peace of mind and the salvation in our life that we have today. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. But beyond that, last week we talked about the qualifications of the high priest uh, to get the most out of this church, by the way, give us, give us a year. Give us some time. Be consistent. Let God show you how he can grow you. Because what we do is intentional. And if you'll follow the synopsis and get on board with our teaching that comes from the scriptures, you will grow. Well, last week in review, we actually talked about the qualifications that the high priest had to go through and how Jesus went through every qualification. Jesus did not have to be baptized, but it was required by God. In fact, here's what the scripture says. Let me go ahead and show you that Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb according to John chapter 1, verse 29. When John the Baptist was fixing to baptize him, John looked at him and said, Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We know this, but John said this in front of everyone who had never heard it before. And he's breaking the news. This was the first revelation that the community and those around him found out about the first time that Jesus was going to be the sacrificial lamb. I am sure that not everyone understood what he was saying, but you have to be there in that moment and put yourself there for just one moment and think, how confusing is that? This stuff wouldn't be really validated until later on. 
But here he is confessing it. There's the Lamb of God, the Messiah. And then Jesus was baptized by John. So Jesus was baptized as a requirement by God. This is still part of the process that the high priest had to go through because the high priest themselves had to be washed according to God's ordinances. And so Jesus said to John and to Matthew, he, he said it to John, but in the book of Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 and 15, and I wrote these so you can write them down in your notes, go home, take a look at them, read them, verify it, because it's not my words, it's the Bible. So listen, then Jesus went from Galilee to Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. And he said, so why are you coming to me? And listen to what Jesus said. But Jesus said, it should be done for we must. Someone say we must carry out all that God requires. Here's the kicker. Although Jesus became high priest, the scripture says that he's made all of us kings and priests. That's a deeper subject. But we've all become priests, but Jesus became the high priest. In fact, when he talked about baptism and the Christian walk in our belief system, when you study the Bible in depth, when you are water baptized, you aren't just getting wet. You're not just getting soaked and have an experience just to declare it openly. That's part of it. But you are now taking on the name of Christ. But according to the scripture, you were buried with Christ like he had to go through the burial himself. Watch this. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. In the New Living Translation. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And as Jesus Christ, as Christ has risen and was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. That's powerful. So inherently what happens is, is because it all ties in together, but Jesus didn't have to be baptized. But for him, it was like a foretelling of him having to go through the burial. But for you and I, because he experienced death and was buried when we are water baptized in the eyes of God, that we are dead with Christ, but risen to a new life in the eyes of God. And we are washed in the King James, it says that it was for the remission of our sins, for the washing of our sins as well. So the book of Hebrews gets deep, and it gets into some deep theological studies and looks at it. This is why the writers believe that it was Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews, because of his depth and his knowledge that he had concerning the law. He bragged and said he was like a Pharisee, knowing the law. He knew it. But then the last part says that as well, concerning the holy place, the Spirit of God, that if you look at this, Jesus said, I was the resurrection. 
Now, I'm going to reference the resurrections because it's that last final act of Jesus that solidified that he was the son of God, not just the son of man, but that he was God incarnate in the flesh coming to this world and what was in him could not be killed, only the body that was encapsulating the spirit of God inside of him. Prior to this, he came, and you can read this, John chapter 11, when his friend Lazarus had died. His friend Lazarus died, and his sister said, had you been here sooner, he would have been saved. And he said, he, he's just sleeping. He's, he's okay. He's gonna, you're going to see him again. And they said, we know we're going to see him again at the resurrection. Jesus said, hold on, wait, hold up. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Yeah, you need to give God some, some hand claps and some praise for that. So, so here, here is what actually happened. Go back to the slide, the second one. Here's actually what took place. Now, for Jesus, the altar sacrifice was the cross. How many of you can, can witness, give me witness to that? It was the cross. But how many of you know that it's at the cross that we come to repentance and the blood is applied in our life and we're forgiven there as well? But you and I don't have to go to the cross because Jesus went to the cross for us. That's the good news. Thank God for that. But then the second thing is, even as a priest, you have to go through and be washed as well. And you were water baptized. Why? Well, because, secondly, that Jesus, that watery grave represents baptism. And if you study the scripture, you'll find out that that was the burial symbolically representing burying the old man you see so now when the devil tries to tempt you you have something to stand on you look at him flat-footed and say you can't tempt the old man the old man's buried this is a different guy you're dealing with here right now <laughs> is this okay okay hold on to your seat belts okay the third thing was, is it was something that you and I had never had the chance to experience that was the holy place, but yet more than that, the holy of holies. This was only limited to priest and one high priest. It was limited. But I'm going to show you in the scripture how God tore down the middle wall of partition that separated us from the presence of God by going to the cross and being resurrected, God made a way for you and I to experience his spirit. When we encounter the Holy Spirit, we have by the blood, by our covenant with God, have now gained access unto his presence. This is something we adore and relish and, and look forward to at Riverside Church. 
A lot of people may find it uncomfortable when people express themselves in church by the raising of the hands or, or by expressing it through a word and saying, I love you, Jesus, or when you see tears coming down their face sometimes because it's an emotional experience. But the reason why is because they feel something in the atmosphere when they operate by faith. And when we come with the full heart of sincerity, there is nothing no one can do because the price has been paid for all of us us that used to be sinners but now sanctified called saints to enter into a place of worship to experience what was locked away put in a box but now it's come out and we feel it that's why as a gentile we don't understand now i'm not saying go out and and, and throw away your pork we're not talking about living under the law we're talking about understanding the culture so you can embrace a new culture. That's why it's so good to understand your heritage. Did you know that when you receive the Spirit of Christ in your life, you inherited a new heritage? And now you are part of something that you had no allowance to get into before? He wasn't meant for us to be there like that. But God, God conquered religion to have a relationship with you. God conquered religion to have a relationship with you. There was so much debate about the place of worship. The tabernacle was built in Jerusalem. So the tabernacle was built in Jerusalem, and then this Jewish nation would argue and say, it's in Jerusalem where we need to worship because that's where the tabernacle was built, the new tabernacle. The wilderness tabernacle had to be erected and moved as they traveled. But the new one is what Solomon built, is what was braggadocious to that nation, to the, to the Israel nation. And they would argue. That's why when Jesus said, I must go to Samaria... The woman at the well, she brought it up. She said, you say that we need to worship in Jerusalem, but I'm a Samaritan of Samaria, and we believe we ought to worship on this mountain. Now, everyone had their place of worship, but Jesus looked at her, in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, and Jesus said to her, but the time is coming, indeed, is here now. Someone say, it's here now. If it was here for them now in that moment for her, then it's here for us right now in this moment for us. Did you hear what I just said? I can't say it again, so I hope you got it. It's here. Watch. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what's so relevant about this scripture and what jumps out at me and what jumped out at me when I read this scripture? is that 
in that eighth chapter when I read you that God said that I now am going to write my laws on their heart. That was the exact same thing God did whenever he gave the law to Moses. The Bible says that Moses took the tablets of stone and that the finger of God began to write out the commandments on stone. That was almost exactly what he was dealing with. The Israelites had a heart of stone. But now that we've been forgiven and touched by grace, God said, I'm going to interact with them and put my finger in their heart and put my commandments there and cause them to walk in it because I'm going to put my spirit in them. And it's not going to come from a place. The place of worship is not a geographical location. It is a spiritual habitation. So the last slide, here is what happens now under a new covenant. You become the tabernacle of God. And the ark of the covenant and the presence of God is inside of you. And this is why Corinthians says, Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God abides within you. You see, beforehand, Israel had the ark of God, but they even lost it. It was in a box. They lost the presence of God under the eye of Eli, the high priest, and his two sons. Eli had a problem in the family, the high priest, he did not follow the precepts, and he did not teach his children well. When you read the Bible, his sons began to act wayward, and his sons, during opposition with the Philistines, they took it upon themselves because they had heard the story. They had heard how God marched through and defeated his enemies when they took the Ark of the Covenant upon their shoulders and marched around Jericho. You remember the story? So I guess they thought to themselves, well, just like they did, I guess we can do too. And they took the Ark without permission from God and went out there and they lost it to the Philistines and were overran by 30,000 soldiers. And the scripture says that they came back and those two men died. Phinehas was one of them. When Eli heard about this, when Eli heard that the ark had been taken, it wasn't when he heard his sons had died. He said, how are my sons? They told him nothing happened. He remained silent. Then he said, what of the ark? What happened to the ark? He said, the Philistines have taken it. And he fell off of his chair and he broke his neck and died. Because they took the ark. And the scripture says that Phinehas' wife, she gave birth to a son and named him Ichabod. Stating that the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. They lost it. But this time God says, I'm going to put my presence in a place they can't lose it. I'm going to put it on the inside. And I'm going to teach him how to carry it. I'm going to teach him how to worship. 
I'm going to teach them how to be sincere in spirit, and I'm going to teach them to walk in my words, which is truth. And you can't hide one from the other. Spirit and truth go together. You see, a lot of people have the truth, but they have no spirit. A lot of people are wild and crazy in the spirit, but they don't have a balance in truth. But God said, if you want to be my disciple and be a child and be a priest, you got to have both to be a true worshiper of the Father together together. God is still holy. God is still pure. God is still powerful. How many of you believe that when you do come into the presence of God, there is something more than just a feeling? There is a high priest, a king, a mediator, an advocate between God and humanity, the high priest Christ Jesus. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Whoo-wee! my God. Whoo. Point number two, am I going too fast? I'm excited. Point number two, God took his presence out of a box to put it in your heart. This is what makes, this is what the the writer of Hebrews was trying to tell the nation of Israel, the Hebrew nation. He's saying, listen, they, they were stuck on the old rituals and the old ways, but he said, don't. Don't, don't stare at that and look at it too long and want to go back. I'm, God's given you a new covenant. Had that old one been good enough, he would have never created the new one. But you see, you kept losing the presence of God. You kept losing the kingdom. Now I'm going to put the kingdom inside of you, and you're never going to lose it again because I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, as long as they kept God's commandments, they kept the covenant, the ark, the presence of God. In fact, it was in that scripture that we find that the dedication of the second temple, whenever Solomon built the temple, our favorite, our favorite scripture to quote out of Chronicles is the prayer that was prayed and God spoke to Solomon and said that in this place, the tabernacle, the dedication he said, if there's ever a famine in the land or the, there's a famine and the, and the rain stops and ceases and the pestilence come and the locust, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. He said, then I will hear from heaven if they humble themselves in this place. And then I will bring the rain and I will heal their lands and I'll forgive their sin. And he said, this is the promise I'm making with you. But that promise still stands, except it's not a geographical location. It's in your spirit, in your heart. And you can do that anytime, any day, anywhere. And God is with you. Isn't that good news? This is what the Hebrews were trying to grab a hold of as they heard Paul write this and convey the message. They were so used to tradition, but Jesus broke tradition and broke into the heavens as the high priest. So deep, so deep. Again, Hebrews 13 and 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. In other words, don't envy And don't fret over what you don't have. Be content with such things that you do have. For he himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In other words, when you have me, you have everything. Why do you think David was so obnoxious to to his wife, 
Michael. When the Philistines, <laughs> you want to know the funny part about the Philistines taking the Ark of the Covenant? Here's the funny part. The funny part is, is that everywhere they put it, something bad happened. They had boils break out, plagues broke out. Uh, they put their God Dagon in front of the Ark of the Covenant. They put their God in front of the Ark, and the next day they came out, the God was fleeced down, face down like that in front of the Ark. Finally, they said, man, it's a great trophy, but we got to give it back to Israel. Too many bad things are happening to us. You see, God did not mean for his presence just to be in the hands of just anyone. It's for whosoever will desire and seek after him and love him and respect him and in intimate relationship with him. But why do you think David was so happy? Because you want to you know why? See, they tried to carry, oh my gosh, help me, Lord. Are you enjoying this? When, when, when they tried bringing it back after the Philistines gave up the Ark of the Covenant, they put it on an ox cart. See, that was like religion. You can't be religious and be so hard-nosed and dogmatic and be in people's face, but live an hypocrite life. You, uh, is that too harsh? I mean, how many of you understand that, that God's presence is real and he's, he's pure and he's holy still? And although the blood is there, it doesn't give us the right. Paul said, Lord forbid. I mean, he's not looking for perfect people, but he said, God forbid that sin may abound because grace abounds. What he was trying to say was, is that, is that we have a privilege. And we've been given the privilege to hold the presence of God. But if you're going to do it, do it right. And David went into the Chronicles. And David began to read. Because it was Uzzah who tried to stop it. Because it got rocky when they were bringing it back on the, on the ox cart. And when it got rocky, then he tried to touch it and he died. And everyone got scared. And they go, man, I'm not, I don't want, you know what, I quit. You know, like Latinos, forget it, man, I quit. Right? I don't want to touch that. It's too much. David went and he read what was in the Chronicles. He read the history. And it says those holes around the ark were meant to put a rod through and it was meant to carry on the shoulders of the priest. <gasps> Only priests are supposed to carry the presence of God. Yeah. And when they carried the presence of God on the shoulders of the priest, came back into Jerusalem, David danced before the Lord. The scripture says, and I'm not going to do it now because I don't want to throw my back. i got to race next week. Everything to be good. Pray for me. Got another one next week. David, the scripture says, danced with all his might. Now, I want you to imagine that. See, I used to think I had good moves when I was younger, but now I've realized I've inherited my mom and dad somehow. Their moves. You ever, like, you ever figure that out? Why we get older, we get worse at dancing? 
Well, next time you have a wedding, you go to check it out. Anyways, <laughs> David danced before the Lord because he knew everything was going to be okay. Now, I can go a little bit deeper, but I'm going to stop right there. But here's what I'm going to convey to you. In order to be a carrier of the presence of God, God requires us to be priest. In order to be priest, we have to fall under the same line of covenant that the other priests had to go through, through the sacrificial offering and through the baptism and through when we inherit the presence of God. This is why I'm telling you, as a new covenant believer, getting water baptized is not just getting wet. You are going through the, the requirements for priesthood to be a carrier of the presence of God in your life to represent God. And wherever you take that, that you've got inside your spirit, there is not one army from hell that can defeat you. I, I said army, not devil, army that can defeat you. One with God is majority, no matter how many come against you. David wrote about this in Psalms 27. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He said it in 23. But when he said it in 27, he said, the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He said, when the armies come up against me, when my foes come up to eat my flesh, they stumble and fell. And though a host may camp around me, and though they may try to come against me, this one thing have I desired, and therefore will I seek after. It is of the Lord's mercies we're not consumed, is what Jeremiah said. But David said, I would rather dwell in God's house and pursue him and his holiness and his presence in God's house. Nobody can touch me there. Nobody can touch me in God's house. You see, that's the, that's the message. The message is David had to go to the temple, but now you are the temple. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. What we have the privilege of saying now, I am so glad I am the house of God. Okay, I got to say that again. I don't think anybody got that. Nobody got it. Anybody catch that? David said, I was glad. You see, this is not a house. It's just a location where the house gets together. You are the house. You are the temple. You are the one God chose. So, so it's different for us. Church is where you want to have it, where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is right in the middle. Why? Because you carry something on the inside of you. And when you're a priest, you are accessible unto the high priest. And you have access unto the holy of holies. And you are in favor with God. Somebody get crazy with me right now. Come on, somebody get excited with me right now. You know, you know what? <laughs> you got to learn to be crazy in church sometimes. When Before God saved us, I'm going to go there. Before God saved us, we go to nightclubs. We get happy. We get drunk as a fool. But now the scripture says that we're to dance before the Lord, get in filled with his presence and his spirit. And we've not stopped dancing. We just change partners. We dance before the Lord. We get excited. We get happy. Why? Because we know now everything's going to be okay. The presence of God is coming back in our life. The presence of God is coming. 
The presence of God is here. Where is it? It's in my life. The devil didn't give it to me. The devil can't take it away from me. And God is greater inside of me. Am I going crazy right now? Sorry, I didn't mean for this to happen. I was trying to be prim and proper for all of our new guests today. It'll be different, maybe. Oh, my God. But this is so real. I feel I'm so strong. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. Let me close with this. I'm going to close right now. I've gone nine minutes over. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't deserve this. I never wanted to be a preacher. I don't know if you've ever wanted to sit in church. I don't know if you ever wanted to live the life that you're living, but you're living it now because he went to the cross and he was buried and he got resurrected. You know, the most dramatic, I, I think, I think probably the most dramatic writings in the Bible is found when Jesus finally gave up the ghost, the scripture says, his spirit and died on the cross. I want to show you, the body died, but the spirit remained alive. But what happened was, that what happened was, Matthew chapter 27, verse 53. You see, prior to that, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, sabachthani, my Lord, my Lord, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cried it out. And they heard him because the spirit of God inside of him was withdrawing itself, abandoning him, forsaking him. Everything in every area that the devil mocked in Jesus' life was actually meant for him to have. When he was taken before Pilate, Pilate even said, are you the king? Jesus said, I was born for this reason. You say that I am. And they put a crown of thorns on his head because God had a crown of gold that was going to give him. They put a robe around him that I'm sure wasn't made out of silk. They mocked him, called him king of the Jews. But he was. But in the last moment, when he was forsaken, it was because... The promise had to be fulfilled. Everything negative that happened to Jesus positively would be good for you. Because one day he would make a promise that I would never leave them or forsake them because I was forsook. But listen to what happened at the final act. This is going to put the bow on today's lesson. Watch this. Matthew 27 and 50. Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth shook. Rocks split apart. The tombs opened. Uh, let me stop right there. Okay. The veil that was rent and or torn into two was referencing the temple where the ark was. And when Christ died and gave up the ghost, 
in a last act of validating a new system that was kept separate from the world, that was locked up in a box behind a veil. Jesus established a new covenant at his death. And the scripture says the veil that kept it separate from the holy place to the holy of holies and from the rest of the world was torn from top to bottom, signifying that the covenant that God is going to establish is going to be established by the high authority, but the old one is going to be also transferred from the highest authority to the earth, from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. And then when this happened, the resurrection power, the resurrection power began to be released. Listen to this, verse 52, and the tombs were opened. This is what freaks out some people. You wouldn't know what to do if you were there on the day Jesus died. And the body... And the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. And they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city, Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. You wouldn't know what to do. And then grandma, oh my gosh, she's alive. Run. I got to stop drinking. <laughs> I don't drink, by the way. I'd like, I just like to joke about it. But you know, I, I stay drunk on God's spirit, man. I love his I'm addicted. I'm addicted, man. I'm addicted. But not only was the temple torn from top to bottom under the veil, signifying what was in a box now is going to be put and given to the whole world but everything that that could be shook was shaken and dead people became alive because what was in Jesus was that powerful here's what I'm trying to tell you here's what I'm trying to give you the closing thoughts for today and you can write this down come on Haley when Jesus broke the last barrier which was death he removed every barrier from us thank you for the golf clap that was just wonderful when Jesus broke the last barrier called death he gave you the right to pass every limitation every addiction every problem every thought every hang up everything that tries to hold you back now there are no limits to what God can do for you in your life that's why you can emphatically stand up and make the declaration greater is he that's inside of me than him that's in the world that's why you can stand up and be bold about it and say I am a child of God I represent the presence of God because I have the Spirit of God in my life, the Spirit of Christ, and the Scripture says that that same Spirit that was in Christ is in you. The same will resurrect your body on the last day. You've got resurrection power inside of you. I know it's not Easter Sunday, but I got to tell you, do you know who lives inside of you, and do you know His capabilities and what He's able to do? If you do, you need to give Him some love right now. Come on, everybody, stand to your feet. I know this has been crazy today, but you know what? Every once in a while, we got to get the starch out. 
we got to break the mold and we have to be passionate again. The day we become the priests that God's called us to be, to be carriers of His presence, to enter into that place. Here's the, here's the weekly challenge. Remember this, we give a weekly challenge every week. Here's the weekly challenge. Pray outside the box. Pray outside the box. In other words, start believing God for things that you've only dreamed of and thought of. I'm not saying blab it or grab it. I'm not talking about materialistic things. I'm talking about things concerning the will of God for your life. I'm talking about your unsaved loved ones. I'm talking about your children. I'm talking about provision for your family so you can provide a good living for the family. I'm talking about positions in your career that you know God's called you to. I'm talking about things that you need God to answer. Things that need to leave you and your family generational burdens that don't belong in your family. Start praying big prayers like you've got a big God. Can we lift our hands in this place? If you're watching online, if you've never given your life to Jesus, take that opportunity right now and let God forgive you of your sins and let him become the savior of your life come to him right now and just simply tell him Lord forgive me forgive me of my sins become my savior live in my heart I want to be part of this I want you Lord if you're here today and you need to renew that commitment commitment maybe this is something new that you've never really looked at maybe this is a different perspective I've known this my whole Christian life but I'm putting it together for you for almost all my Christian life. But I'm putting it together to teach, to give you an understanding that there's more to this than you know. Will you raise your hands and just surrender to Him right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, take us deeper. God, take us deeper. Let us walk with the conscience. Let us walk with the conscience, God, of knowing who you are. We're not perfect people. We don't have to jump through the hoops anymore. But God, you paid the price for us. You brought us out of religion, Father, an old mentality to bring us into a relationship with you. Teach us how to walk with you. God, we're not going to be perfect, but God, you're perfect, and your love is perfect, and your spirit is powerful, and there are no limits, God. So let us tap into that, that all potential power called the Spirit of God today, right now. Let us become carriers of the presence of God. Make that your prayer. Make that your prayer. You see, to carry God, the presence of God, you have to be willing to submit to a continual effort called prayer, praise, and worship. Come on, somebody say, God, let me be a carrier. See, those that carried the ark of God, they didn't carry it and run. They carried it and walked. And that's what we have to learn to do, just learn how to walk with him. So tell him, Father, give me the consistency, God, to wake up to go to bed with you on my mind to worship you will you lift your hands and let's sing right now thank you for listening to today's message if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend for more information about who we are visit riversidechurchtx.com